and we glorify your name in the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, we thank you for the gift of your son and the gift of the Holy Spirit. So, Lord, we open up our hearts and we open up our ears to receive your word today in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Praise God. I'm going to tell you, we did originally cancel um, Train to Rain this month because we were supposed to be in Defusky Island. And so the sad part is, is um, Defusky Island got hit by the hurricane bad. No electricity, no different things. And so we're here. So praise God. Even if this message is just for our house, this message is important because it talks about, we are talking about the importance of being a king and a priest in the marketplace. Now, this is awesome. We had gone to Miami and we had visited with a group of people that they, they have a group in, uh, at King Jesus Ministries called King's Court. And the nice thing is we got to actually spend time with some people that were a part of this group called King's Court. Well, kings are in the marketplace. And so the neat thing is these are actual businessmen, business people that have come into um, together to establish and give their money to be used to advance the kingdom of God in the earth. Now, isn't that awesome? So they just don't come to a trained to reign class and get taught principles. They're actually, they're actually committing themselves to be kings out in the marketplace and know that their money is for Jesus. And so one of the things I think is awesome about Train to Reign is the goal and purpose is for us to be teaching the biblical principles and how people can apply them into their jobs, into their homes, and into their places. But the most important thing is we have to know is everything we have is his. Yes. Nothing we have is ours. And so God, when we commit and accept Christ in our heart, we actually come into covenant promises with him. We actually come into promises, which I loved it when I realized that because when you realize your covenant with the father through the son and the gift of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, well, then you actually can be able to be used to advance the marketplace and to advance what God wants done in this earth. So there's a verse, I think it's in Revelations, and it talks about how we are all called to be kings and priests with the purpose to establish his kingdom in the earth. We're, Jesus already came and set the foundation. We're called to come in now and lead as kings and priests in Christ, in Christ's name. So I want to remind everybody that if we are in Christ, that we have a covenant promise that God wants us to know, keep in focus. If you can put Deuteronomy chapter 7, 12 through 15, Carl. I want to read through this because I want you to, before I go into the teaching, I want you to recognize the, pro the covenant promise he has with those kings, with people on earth to help establish his covenant. It says, then it shall come to pass because you listened to these judgments and you kept and do them that the Lord your God will keep with you the covenant and the mercy which he swore to your fathers. So there's a covenant that's connected with what? Mercy. All right, go to the next verse. It says, and he will love you and bless you and multiply you. He will also bless the fruit of your womb. That means anything that gets birthed from you and the fruit of your land and your grain and your new wine and your oil and the increase of your cattle and the offsprings of your flock in the land of which he swore to your fathers to give you. So we have to recognize 
God is not a God who did not want us to be in covenant with him. He wants us to be in covenant with him and to recognize he gives us all the list of these process of these of these promises. Next verse. He says, you shall be blessed above all people. So that means if we're his people and it does say that the only real people are the people that are his people. <laughs> you aren't even people until you become his people. It's in the word. And so it says, you shall be blessed above all peoples. There shall not be made, there shall not be a male or a female barren among you or among your livestock. Last verse. And the Lord will take away from you all your sickness and will afflict and will afflict you with none of the terrible diseases of Egypt, which you have sown, but will lay them all on those who hate you. Now that's pretty strong. So what it's saying is when we can connect with the promises and we can read through that and meditate on that and actually believe that, then that means we are going to excel above all other people because we recognize we're his people. Love your hair. It looks so good. It took my breath away. I feel like it's a commercial look. <laughs> Doesn't it look good? Nice and fluffy. Praise God. So in Christ, we have covenant promises. So everybody gets these. No sickness. We're to be blessed. We're, but he goes, go back to 12. He tells us what we need to do. Hey, he says, it's because you listened to these judgments, you kept and you did them, and the Lord your God will keep you with the covenant. And you know what? Mercy, another verse says, and the mercy which he swore to your fathers, which is also another, it says the love, the love he has promised. So there are instructions that we have in this verse, which are, it shall come to pass if you listen, it shall come to pass if you keep and do the instructions. If you are in a relationship with Christ, that means you're getting revelatory wisdom of instruction and things that you should do and how you should handle things. If you're in business, your business, if you have truly, in fact, I wanted to bring in the thing from um, the, um, when Gene dedicated his business in 1990 to God, he then went into a covenant with him. And so now, for things to come to pass, that means Gene, as the owner of the company, would have to listen, would have to keep, would have to do his instruction. He would have to listen for the voice of God, keep that relationship, do the instructions that we, he was doing, because they're, they're not going to make sense to the world. And he, and what does he promise? He will love you. He will bless you. He will multiply you. He will bless the fruit of your womb, your land, your food, your wine, your oil and animals, and no sickness will touch you. I'm repeating that because... Sometimes we don't act like we believe that. We don't, act, and we make decisions very quick off the cuff because we haven't submitted it to the Holy Spirit. When the Lord was showing me that he was in covenant with me, I had to submit every little thing and take time with it. Like what shirt to wear, what, how to say something because I was messing everything up. And so when he changed things, that's when you know you're listening to him because you're doing things that are even seem so simple, but you're really submitting all decisions to him. So we want to keep that in mind, but it takes time to believe that that truly has connected in your heart. So what instructions are required to get this covenant to flow in the blessings? Okay, if we are kings and priests and we are to help him establish the kingdom 
of heaven on earth, then we have to recognize the instructions that he is requiring us. So here they are. One, you have to get Christ in you. So I'm, I'm blessed right now. I know everybody sitting here has Christ in them, but not everybody out in the marketplace has Christ in them. So you have to remember, even as you're walking this out, you can have Christ in you, but you're going to be dealing with people that don't have Christ in them because your job is to help establish that seed out in the earth. But you have to have Christ in you because he came to seek that which was lost. What was lost? A relationship with the father. So if we are to seek God every day through the son, Jesus, he's going to change us and he's going to open a flow for us to redeem what has been lost. All right. So that means we can't worry about what's the next step. Sometimes we have to worry about seeking him for the next instruction, for the next revelation, for the next move. I know in here, everybody is working on gaining and being redeemed back from something, whether it's sickness whether it's finances, whether it's social, whatever it's your mind, whatever your soul, whatever you are going through, God has something to be redeemed back with you in the flow of these instructions. So the first and four months is you have to stay in relationship with him, communicating with him. And then the second thing is you've got to follow him. You have to follow Jesus because Jesus is the mediator of the covenant. He came and he established that covenant in the earth. So we can never lose relationship with God unless we back away and we don't, we become disobedient and rebellious and do, do the things that he is showing us to do in him. The third thing is we have to listen. You have to be clear your soul. We want to get renewed mind so we can hear the instruction. Cause when we get that instruction, some of the stuff we get, we're like, what? <laughs> and then you're like, all right, I got to do it. And you do it with such a joy because you realize, all right, I have nothing else better to do but to do that. So when God is working on something in us every year, I, I mean, I know how I feel. Sometimes, you know, when you get really tense and your shoulders are tense, I know deflation. My shoulders go down. Deflation, like it's a relaxation. What's the deflation when you experience? It is not your, it is not your instruction. It is not, it is you. He paid the price to show you something. And when he shows it to you, you know deflation happens when your will is trying to still do its, its will. <laughs> do you know, have you experienced that? Where you hear the, you're like, what? And then you just feel the submission. You feel your body just surrender and yield to the instruction he's giving to you. How many people have experienced that? And <sighs> that's just how it is. That's how it is for me. And then I laugh at myself. I think we have to be good at laughing at ourselves. Because if you learn to laugh at yourself in the lie, then the truth will manifest. You know what I mean? So we have to be able to listen to instruction and know that it's instruction he's feeding us. How do you know that? You'll feel. If it's one, he's working something out of you so he can gain more ground in you, you're going to feel that exchange of you're trying to do it and then you just feel like, I can't do it. I can't do it. Then here's what you can listen and hear an instruction. But now the fourth thing is you actually have to keep the instruction we can do things one day and do it really good, but how well do we do it the next day? And then how do we, do, well, do we do it 30 days after we really have forgot about it? <laughs> and then the test comes out of the blue and now you've got to abide in that, right? So we're great the first day. We're usually pretty good the second and the third day, but when 30 days goes by, 
You know what I mean? And that word's not floating as the primary thought in your mind, but now you're being tested on it. Now you know, are you keeping the instruction? Keeping the instruction. You know what's so awesome? We want habits to be permanent. We want a habitual lifestyle in him to be permanent, to flow permanently. And that means you know you never change your way because it will never be a choice. It'll just be who you are. It'll be who you are. That's how you know you're building the covenant flow. The flow of all that blessing can come through. All right. Then always remember the last thing. Do his instructions. So we not only have to have Christ in us, we have to follow him. We have to listen to him. We have to keep and we have to what? Do. All right. So now I love this. What instructions, what instructions has God given you? Now I'm going to give you examples. In the kingdom we're called kings and priests, right? If we're in the business, I feel like today, I'm talking on the mind of a king, all right? I'm gonna give you three kings in the Bible, and I'm gonna show you, you're gonna tell me, did they, did they keep the instructions required to keep the flow of blessing in their life? See, the one thing I love about the Old Testament and the Gospels and the New Testament and the epistles is that there is an example of everything we need to help be taught how to keep, follow, listen, do. It, it really, you can break this down. In fact, this is where the Lord, after being at um, the meeting the people from King's Court, this really just flowed through with me on this part of this. It was a lesson that was taught, but this part became even more alive to me with some other verses because we want to be obedient in Christ. We don't want to be disobedient. So one thing I love about the Old Testament is a great place to learn how people made a lot of mistakes. <laughs> and we need to, that's a tutor, okay? What's a good tutor? Your older brother and sister when they mess up? I'm not going to do, how many people, I'm not going to do what that person did, did because I, I learned that lesson already by watching them. Well, we can never truly learn a lesson till we experience it. We can never truly receive something until we what? experience it, but praise God that he wants to spend time to show us a way. So there are obedient and disobedient kings. And now obedience is the key that releases the power to obtain the promises of God in your life. Everything I just went over, the obedience and God cannot change his word. He cannot change his way. God is the same He's going to be the same in the past, the present, and tomorrow. He's going to be the same. All right. He didn't change his ways for Jesus. He sent Jesus to help us know what a true king does. So let's look at this king. And I'm sure I'm not going to say his name right. But <laughs> um, actually, I need you to go to Kings. Hold on. It's on a different page, my, my thing on this. Go to Kings chapter 12, verse 4. We're going to go through 4 and 11. Yeah. All right. And I like this because this is King, and I want you to tell me. This is King Rehoboam. Okay. It says, now this is about a King Rehoboam. All right. And this is King Rehoboam was the son of Solomon. And he was a king that was told when Solomon passed, he was going to take leadership. That doesn't mean, sometimes when we're put into authority positions, doesn't mean we've been really trained for it. But he received it because he was a son. 
All right. It says, your father made your yoke heavy. Oh, hold on. Bear with me. I'm going to mark my page on this. Okay. Your father made your yoke heavy. Your father meaning Solomon. Lighten. The people came to, Ro to Rehoboam. I'm not going to say that very well. Rehoboam. The people came to Rehoboam after Solomon's death, going to Rehoboam because they knew that he was going to be the next king. So the people sent a leader, Jeroboam, to Rehoboam, and he said, they said to him, your father, Solomon, made our yoke heavy. Now, therefore, lighten the burdensome service of your father and his heavy yoke, which he put on us, and we will serve you. Now, the people came to the leader with a request. Next verse. We're going to go through this till 11. And it says, so he said to them, depart from me for three days. Then come back to me, and the people departed. Because Rehoboam decided, hey, I've got to make a decision. He did, now, his first step was good. He wasn't making it in haste. He actually said, give me what? Three days. And he was, in this part, he was doing good because he was going to now consult counsel. Next verse. Then King Rehoboam consulted the elders who stood before his father Solomon while he still lived. And he said, how do you advise me to answer these people? So I love this. He's already, he even went to his elders, people he respected that helped led his father in a strong kingdom. Next verse. And they spoke to him saying, if you will be a servant to these people, this is what the advisor, the council of Solomon said to them. If you will be a servant to these people today and serve them and answer them and speak good words to them, then they will be your servants forever. I'm going to tell you, I don't even know how I fell in this, but when I did, when I read that, I, I did, I felt like crying because sometimes we can be in a position of authority and we don't really listen to our people. Sometimes the voice of God is not being spoken in relationship, it's in relationship, but this voice of God can be spoken through people. We have to be able to hear the voice of God anywhere and at any time. But I love this. He got great thing. He got great advice. If you will be a servant to these people today, serve them and answer them and speak good words to them, then they will be your servants. It didn't say change the circumstances of the yoke. It just gave them advice on how to communicate with the people, how to serve them. Next verse. But he rejected the advice which the elders had given him. And they consulted now. Instead, now he goes to consult the young men who had grown up with him, who stood before him. Hey, come on. How many times when God was calling us to do something, whether a business decision, whether handling something in a family, where we actually want to consult the people that are going to consult us. <laughs> I mean, the people that I call our telephone chain, the ones who are going to tell you how awesome and wonderful you are. Do you know what I'm saying? Because they're going to give you really what you want to hear because that's what happens sometimes. Those people, you do, hey, the best counsel you can get are the people who counsel him first. Yeah. Counsel the word. Do you know what I mean? Solomon had a great history of time and he had his good times and his bad times, but he was known as the wisest man because he asked God for wisdom. So can you imagine the council that sat before him, the elders that observed him, that watched him and saw the good flow and saw the not so good flow? 
So now, and I love this. His son did the right thing by going to them first, but he now he was going to go to other people. Now let's hear what these other people said. And he said to them, what advice do you give? How should I answer these people who have spoken to me saying lighten the yoke, which your father put on us? Next verse. Then the young man who had grown up with him spoke to him saying, thus you should speak to this people who have spoken to you saying, your father made your yoke heavy, but you make it lighter on us. Thus you shall say to them, my little finger shall be thicker than my father's waist. Next verse. And now, whereas my father put a heavy yoke on you, I will add to your yoke. My father chastened you with whips, but I will chasten you with scourges. Okay, so now what do you think he did? Do you think he followed the elder's advice and to become a servant to the people? Or do you think he followed his friends who were before him? He followed his peers who were before him. He chose their advice and he actually applied that. So when Jeroboam came back to say, hey, after three days, what are you going to do? He repeated those same words. And what happened is when it was time to come and send somebody to collect, the people did not give. The people did not serve him. The people went against him and he lost his kingship to the servant who came before him to request for the yoke to be lifted. Now, praise God, we can learn that in everything we have done. Think about the time you have been that kind of king. When sometimes people came to us needing, needing, and needing. And we have to take time and consult who? God. And we need to consult the elders God has put around us who already experienced the revelatory wisdom of God. Do you know what I mean? And so when we take that time to do that, then he had an opportunity to be obedient. And if he would have been obedient, he would have never lost his kingship. And the flow that was required to give him would have flown into the kingdom, would have continued. But when he decided to be disobedient to the elder's advice, and he yielded to his friends to be meaner and not to serve, come on, I want to think about this. Think about this in raising kids. Think about this in your relationships with your parents, your spouses. Think about all the times you just came harder on them. But yet, God already instructed you something. He already gave us instruction. But sometimes our flesh rises up. He lost lost the reign of that kingdom. He lost the reign of that kingdom. So that's an example I'd like to give the example of the bad person. We're going to rejoice in the good, right? Because this is, and it builds, because that's the Old Testament. The Lord set that. He put that in his word so we could read it, chew it up, take it. Please go back to verse, um, the verse where he gave the recommendation of the elder, which I think was um, six. Next one. Now he said, this is what the key thing I want you to hold on to. They spoke to him saying, if you will be a servant to these people today, he didn't tell them to lift the yoke, did he? He didn't tell them. He wasn't telling him to answer their question directly. He was giving him, he was giving him instruction to follow. 
instruction to meditate on, instruction to keep, instruction to do. That if he were to take this course of action to serve the people, serve them, answer them. That means communicate with them. Speak good what? Words to them. And they will be your servants. There's a lot of instruction in that. If we can take that order, see, if God, if Christ is in you, you're able to receive this word today. You're able to take that, break it down so you can follow him. You can listen to that instruction. You can keep it and you can apply it and do it. And guess what? You'll receive the flow of the promises of the covenant. All right. Because that was, that really came from the elders. Isn't that beautiful? Praise God. And now let me tell you this. Roaboam really was on the negative side of this whole thing, just to let you know, <laughs> because Solomon had made a mistake in his time. Please go to 1 Kings 11, 11. And this is really important because God always gives us a way out. Okay. He actually had an opportunity to follow the advice of the elders, but because he didn't, he lost the kingdom, but it was already predicted before the time. See, our, this Bible is a word of prophecy that if God reveals something to us, he's actually telling us something that could happen and he's trying to help us solve something through instruction. All right. In Kings eleven eleven, Solomon was still alive and it says, therefore, the Lord said to Solomon, and this is because Solomon messed up because you have done this thing, a disobedience and have you have not what kept my covenant and my statutes, which I have commanded you, I will surely tear the kingdom away from you. And I will give it to your Jeroboam was a servant of Solomon. Jeroboam came to represent the people. But when Roboam didn't take the, he got the exit out to cancel out that prediction. But when God called it, that meant that if disobedience was going to continue to run in the genealogical line, he was going to have to do what? Tear the kingdom. Isn't that awesome? How many times? I love, Robin gave a testimony the other night, and I know some of you don't know that, but she talked about how she was going in disobedience, and she could feel the tearing from within her because she knew she had disobeyed an order, an instruction God had given her. How many of us felt that? You have felt that you don't want something being torn away from you of promise, of covenant. When we disobey the instruction of God, sometimes we feel that tearing of the kingdom being taken because he can't make the flow of his covenant flow through. So God had to keep his word. But I, what I loved about him keeping the word is not is that he gave Jeroboam away what? Out. We are so blessed that when we are hard pressed, pushed against the wall, and even when we know what's right, God always gives us a way of escape. And so a good king, is we're, we're not trying to perfect everybody to see it all perfect and do it all perfect, but we are trying to get everybody to be obedient to him. And in the obedience, even when you think you're walking on a line of disobedience, guess what can happen? There's a plan of escape. There is an escape that causes the shift to happen. Do you know what I mean? And I, I love that. We see that a lot. We, I love watching people learn. I love it when it happens to me. Do you know what I mean? This lesson's been good for me. So therefore, when the Lord said that, we'd, he will give something to another who what? Serves. God, it was really 
really trying to show us how a true king operates. So now let's go to the next king. All right. Now Jesus comes into the earth. Jesus is the king of kings, right? And Jesus was sent to show us what it meant to be a servant. God already established us to serve. That is the partnership of his covenant. You're going to receive these promises if you can serve, if you can serve God. But he sent his son to be the king of kings to show us true service. Go to John 13, 3 through 8. John 13, 3 through 8. Now, this is, this is true servanthood. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things unto his hands. Now, think about this. Even Solomon had the kingdom in his what? Hands. Solomon had the kingdom in his hands. And that he had come from God and was going to God. Now, this is so awesome. When he sent his son... That was proof that he came from where? God, and that he knew he was what? Going to God. Okay, can we get this? If we can remember in our kingship, our priestess, whatever we're doing, that we came from God and we're going back to God. I want you to remember that. If we can keep that in focus, that we've already come from somewhere else, that we have to go back, doesn't that put more reverence in your heart? Okay, it does me. Do you know what I mean? Because we've got to answer to somebody when we come on this earth. We're not here to live. He showed us. And he even reminded this. Next verse four. He said he rose from the supper and laid aside his garments and he took a towel and he girded himself. Next verse. At this time, when he reminded his disciples that, after that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel which he was girded. All right. See, he already said, this is where I came from. This is where I'm going. And now this is what I have to do. I'm going to show you something. Next verse. Then this doesn't seem okay. John 13. Okay. Then he, this is John, right? Okay. Yeah. Then he came to Simon Peter and Peter said to him, Lord, are you washing my feet? Okay. Because in the earth, we think that we're to serve the person in authority, which we are. But everybody is to serve one another. Next verse. So he questioned him. Are you going to do this? Jesus answered and said to him, what am I doing? What I am doing, you do not understand because you will know after this. Next verse. Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, if I do not wash you, you have no part of me. Okay. We can never learn to be a servant until we're taught servanthood. It says, the word tells us that we can't even love until he loves us first. There's measures. We can't even do this in our own being. Okay. Christ has to be in us for us to do this. All right. Jump to, jump to verse 12, please. So we have to be, the only way you become a part of a king is the king has to do something to serve you and you are serving them. It becomes the cycle that comes back and forth. It constantly works. Then he had washed their feet. So he, Jesus now washed all the disciples' feet. Taking his garments, he sat down again. He said to them, do you know what I have done to you? Do you know what I have done to you? Next verse. You call me teacher and Lord, and you say, well, for so I am. Next verse. 
If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also to wash in others' feet. Next verse. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done unto you. Next verse. Most assuredly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who is sent greater than he who sent him. Isn't that beautiful? What he's saying is any of us in business, in our homes, if we can't even serve the people in our homes or in our business as a leader, then we are never going to get the people to serve us. We can never do that because people come from messed up home situations, terrible businesses, um, all this disruption of true order, right? So when people come into our company and people come into here, we actually have to humble ourselves and serve them. By how? Sometimes giving them a desk. Do you know what I mean? We serve them by creating a job. We serve them by helping them in their situation. But we have, they will never know if they're in a place of love if love hasn't been showered on them first. How many people have felt that in this place? Right. See, love has to come to experience love so you can actually produce another level of love. Because when people come together as a body, I like this. We all have to come from the DNA of what? Jesus. Jesus said in the one verse, he's, oh, in fact, are you there? Carl, Carl, give me verse John 13, 8. Oh, it's down. Yeah, go ahead. Can you open up the, uh, John 13, 8. Oh, I need it. The screen for the other, at the end, it's going to come up. No, I got it. It says, Peter said to him, you shall never wash. Oh, it's nine. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet. Okay. Jesus said to them, it's between three and it's when he said he had to do it this way. Most assuredly, I say to you, a servant is not greater. No. Okay. So then he washed their feet, taking his garments and sat down again and said to them, do you not know what I have done to you? What he did was he set a pattern. He set a pattern that has to be put in motion. And once it's in motion, the Lord already showed us in the Old Testament, if you will serve them, they will serve you what? Forever. Jesus came to serve us on the earth so we would serve him forever. Isn't that awesome? So Jesus was the king of kings. He was sent down to show us how to do it. Now, what's so awesome is if he sowed himself into the earth, now after his death and resurrection, now, where's the proof that that continues in the earth, right? There are in business, there are people and kings that are sent out there to actually abide this in their business. The moment Gene dedicated C.E. Hall construction to God, he then said, I became a servant. I became a servant. And he serves the people. And then you hope that the hearts turn back. And that's how you know a person is in Christ. It's the sign that someone's in Christ when you can have that back. All right, I love this. Philemon. Philemon in the epistles was an awesome, wealthy man. He was wealthy. He had a lot of money, and he turned his heart to Christ. Paul ministered to this man, 
And when he ministered to this man, he gave his heart to Christ. When he gave his cards to Christ, he opened up his home. And when he opened up his home, he now developed a church. The Colossian church met in Philemon's home. All right. So as Philemon grew, you know, in this, Philemon before wasn't a very nice man. In fact, Philemon lost a servant. How do you say the servant's name? Onesimus. 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 A servant had left him because Philemon wasn't a nice person. And this is what's so crazy. The person that saved Philemon, Onesimus, met Paul in another location because he ran away out of fear from his master. All right. So when he ran away from fear from his master, he got changed by Paul. He got converted. He accepted Christ in his heart. All right. So knowing Philemon, Paul called like he didn't call him up on a phone, but he sent a letter and he's like saying, hey, I am sending back the servant that left you, but I need you to receive him back with the full forgiveness. Even all his debt can be put on my account. Okay, put up these verses. Philemon. Put up verse 10. See, this is now the epistles. Christ was already resurrected. He set the order and tone that if a leader will serve, the people will serve him. The leader will serve, the people will serve him. Well, now here's Philemon, wealthy. He didn't have to serve anybody. Got changed, but now he was going to put to the test. Now he was given an instruction. Did he do it the first day, the second day? Sure, the first day he opened up his house. The second day, he, he changed his ways and how he ran things in his house. But now time went by, and now he was really going to have to be tested. And it says, this is Paul speaking to Philemon. I appeal to you for my son Onesimus, whom I have begotten. That means he raised him while in my chains. So Paul nurtured that man even in his even in his hell being in chains in prison. Next verse. Who once was unprofitable to you, he was unprofitable to you, but now is profitable to you and to me. Next verse. I am sending him back. You therefore receive him. That is my own heart. Isn't that beautiful? Here is a businessman, wealthy, changed his heart. Now he was going to be tested. The servant that left you when he was disobedient. Get this? When that servant left him in disobedience, Paul's now sending him back. How many people have had people you just can't even deal with, right? And then they come back And you're still expected to now receive them in the obedience of Christ. See, isn't this beautiful? It's so beautiful. I like it. I'm sending him back. You therefore what? Receive him. That is my own heart. God is so awesome. God never puts us without counsel to know his heart. He wants us in relationship so we can know his heart. So we can follow him, keep his word, do his word, and we can move and open up the flow of the covenant promises in our life. But if this is not in cycle, then this is not going to happen because we'll turn out like Rehoboam and in disobedience, the kingdom was torn from him. That's a promise for all of us. 
but we have to grow. Here's the most important thing. God wants to teach us how to do this. He sent his son to implement the process, to really start it. Go to verse 14. I love Philemon because Philemon's heart became so great. He funded the kingdom of God. He was in the king's court. But without your consent, now see, I love this. <laughs> without your consent, I wanted to do nothing that your good deed might not be by compulsion as it were by voluntary. You know what? That's what I liked about King Robum. He said, give me what? How many days? He didn't go by compulsion. He still checked his elders. He made a very educated choice that tore the kingdom from him. All right. He, he decided what he wanted to do, but see, God doesn't want us to do that. He wants to know this pattern. He wants to, us to receive this cycle because if we do, you know what I mean? He wants us to voluntarily receive and serve what we don't want to serve. Because in, in that we're doing it, you, that's the sign Christ is in you. And you know the covenant promises are flowing through that person. You can see the fruit. Go to verse 15. Verse 15, for perhaps he departed for a while. So now where he's telling the story about the servant. For this purpose, that you might receive him forever. How many times have we rejected assignments, oh, right? We've rejected assignments because that is not what we think we should be doing. Okay. But then it comes back to us. It comes back to us and we have to what? Receive it. Because when we receive it and we abide in it, we follow it, we keep it, we do it. Then it says it will be forever. It's ev that is everlasting love. When you can receive what God is sending to you. And even though you failed the test, Jesus came to redeem us. We don't, the kingdom doesn't get torn. We get a second chance. You know, next verse. So no longer has, no longer as a slave, but more than a slave. So this, 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 this man wasn't just Philemon's slave. He said, now he's coming back as a beloved brother, especially to me but how much more to you? How much more do we reject somebody? And how much greater is the bond when we take them back after rejection? <gasps> I am telling you, that is, there is a cycle in businesses if people can apply this. Do you know what I mean? We, I, the one thing I love about our company, nobody gets fired. <laughs> nobody gets fired. They leave when they can't take it anymore, right? And guess what? Sometimes they do what? Come back. <laughs> Come back. And they have to, and when they're received in the in-gathering, we are in an in-gathering season. When we receive in the in-gathering what we had rejected from the past, do you know that's going to bring an everlasting life on something? Something, it can be your, it can be a sickness, it can be your finances, it can be in social relationship, but what comes back to you doesn't come back as a slave, it comes back as a brother. It comes back as a brother. And it says, especially to me, but now how much more to you, the one who's assigned to receive them back. Ah, both in the flesh and in the Lord. Isn't this beautiful? This is so beautiful. How many times have we have rejected? I've been rejected. How much more would love be when you're received back? 
as a brother and a sister, but not as the slave that you were rejected as. See, Philemon was a very wealthy man. He opened the flow of the covenant to abide in his life, not just because he took the first steps of receiving Christ and then receiving and opening up his home to it. Then he received back the slave who rejected him because of his root, his disobedience. Now he had to take that slave back. Isn't that awesome? So he became a useful servant because Onesimus was processed. Man, we've got to be processed by God in the kingdom to be an effective leader. He did not, Onesimus didn't even have to come and defend himself. <laughs> Jesus defended him for himself. When we come back to a place that we've been rejected and we come back to it as a servant with Christ in our heart, then what happens? Then what happens? We, we now open up the kingdom and we didn't have to defend ourselves. We just get what? Received. You know, Onesimus must have said, man, Philemon has changed. <laughs> Something happened to him. He is not the same. But then when Paul said to put it on my account, that means he was saying, I am backing this slave up. I am backing the slave up. Next verse, last verse. If then you can count me as a partner, receive him as you would receive me. Man, how many times in business do people come and rub up against the leader? And they receive that leader. They do everything with that leader. But then the most important person that really helps that leader, that person doesn't receive because they decide that person's not as worthy as a leader. Ouch, right? Think about it. He says, if then you now count me as a partner. When we partner and we are birthed out of Christ, our DNA becomes a part of the body. We are one sector of the whole body of Christ that needs to keep this cycle moving. We need to keep the cycle moving. We need to recognize that we can't do it in ourselves. See, that's the thing. How do you know Christ is in you and you are abiding as the servant? Then you're not doing what you can do in yourself. Even Jesus told the disciples before he washed his feet, I came from God and where I have to go back is God. I'm not doing this in myself. I am doing this to show a way to open up the covenant promises to flood in your life. It's so beautiful. Isn't it beautiful? God shows us in Isaiah 49, 23. You want to know when you're out there in the marketplace, if you're with a real king and a real queen, this tells you. It says kings shall be your foster fathers. God's already designed that. Kings in the marketplace, they are to father over people. But the true father is Father God. And he said, and there are queens who are your nursing mothers. They shall bow down to you with their faces on the earth. And they shall lick the dust under your feet. Then you will know that I am the Lord. For they shall not be ashamed who wait on me. You know what that is saying? The true mystery behind that word. It's saying if a true king or queen will serve its people. How do you know that person serves the people? They are on their knees. They are crying to God. 
They are laying their life down. They're saying, what can, what, what can I do? What can I do for you? They are serving you in such a way we almost don't even know how to receive that kind of love. And nor does the workplace emulate it. We are called to emulate that love. We are called to be the servant for the king of kings. And he says, now that king and queen, that king and queen, they are not ashamed. For they, they do what I ask them to do. But you as the other part, they, you, we all wait on God. Even a good king knows to wait on God. A good queen knows, wait on God. And then when the serving cycle starts, what did it say in the Old Testament? Those people will never, what, depart from you. They will serve you forever. That's love, is when there's such a bond that's already put in place when we know this. So ask yourself, how well are we serving people? What authority do I have in the earth? What am I in charge of? They don't serve me, I serve them. When we can work from that heart, then you will know that I am the Lord God because that's how they live. You have to see humility on the authority of a leader. So we're going to go through just a few more verses. What's my time? Now I'm going to build you all up. Every good gift, I just want to remind you, James 1.17, every good gift comes from the Father. The Father sent his Son. The Father set an order. The Father, only the Father, by touching Philemon's heart through Christ, with Paul being used, could get him to receive that servant back. It says, every good gift and every perfect gift is from what? Above, because that's where we came from. And it comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. He does not change this order. You, if you today go out and you work your business and you do anything without a servant's heart, then you are missing it. You cannot receive the covenant flow of promise that we talked about. And remember, what was that covenant flow? Just remind you the little list. I should have it memorized, right? <laughs> it says, God will love you. He will bless you. He will multiply you. He will bless the fruit of your womb, the fruit of your land, the fruit of your food, your wine, your oil, your animals. That means he's going to make everything be blessed if you stick to this. Talk about a kingdom key, right? Something, you won't even have sickness if you can do that. Imagine the blessing Philemon received when he received his slave who now becomes a servant back. All right, go to Luke 13, 11, 13. I want to remind you the best gift we have been given has been the gift of the Holy Spirit imparted in us when Jesus was resurrected up back to the, he gave us a part of heaven in us to say, I can't serve in my human self. I can only serve through the spirit that's within me. So if we receive the Holy Spirit, then we know if you then being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who what? Ask Him. We have to ask for the infilling of the Holy Spirit so we can go out every day to do what? Serve in Christ. Develop kings to, so that they want to give their houses, their finances, their love 
to keep advancing this move in the kingdom of God. Man, can you imagine if we got these kits and took them into businesses? The businesses would go upside down at first, but then it would go right side up if we taught people how to serve. Go to Isaiah 64, 6. We cannot do this on our own. We have to accept the infilling of the spirit to this. I can't do half the things I've done in the past seven years in the oldly compared. There are some things that I could have gotten done in the world, but none of it was everlasting because I didn't receive back. Now, after I got filled with the Holy Spirit, now I'm receiving back the things that I rejected or rejected me. So if whatever rejected me, if I receive it back at the moment, I have just opened up the flow, the covenant flow of my life because I was serving what the other person's need was. You can't insult me. You really do hit a point. You can't be insulted. You can't be hurt. You receive and you, love, you give that person what their need is. And it says, and they will serve you forever. But when we are like an unclean thing and all our unrighteousness are like filthy rags, <laughs> we will all fade as a leaf. Come on. How about you woke up and you didn't get the filling of the spirit for the day and we feel like little dead leaves, right? I'm not making it today. I don't want to be nice, right? Come on. This is a daily relationship. To have the covenant, we have to be, what was the first thing I said? To get the covenant promises, we have to be in what? Relationship with him. Or this is how we're going to be. We're going to fade like a leaf. You know what I mean? The old Lee and her old ways and her old successes all faded like a leaf. Sometimes it's nice to try to resuscitate. <laughs> Remind you how good some things were, right? But it's not, it can't compare to what the Holy Spirit has done in you and what he's asked you to receive back for him. Okay? We fade. And our iniquities are like the wind and they have taken us away. Okay, that's the ripping of the kingdom. When we want to do things in ourselves, you know the kingdom is getting torn from you. If you're wanting to, it, it just, it, you just missed it. It blows away. You have missed the time. Praise God that Jesus came to redeem our time. So keep in mind, only good, only the good in this earth is from Christ Jesus applying to our account. Isn't that awesome? Jesus says to the Father, He says, I, Okay, receive Lee back on my account because she has changed in me and open up the flow of the confident promise in her life. See, we have to say it like that. We have to think of it like that. Jesus is our mediator that goes directly to the Father. And he says, now go, now look at Mamie. Look, she's received back. She's, take it on my account. Bless her. Isn't that beautiful? That's what Jesus, the mediator, says to the Father. Go to Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. And we are almost done. I love it. Jesus says, take him back on my account. Doesn't that deflate your shoulders? We don't have it in us. All we have in us is to be in Christ to receive somebody back on behalf of Jesus. We're just vessels in the marketplace. It says, and he made you alive who were dead in your trespasses and sin. Next verse. In which you once walked according to the course of this what? World. Look at Rehoboam. He walked by the flesh, his friends, the kids he hung out with. 
And he did the opposite of what a true servant of God does. According to the prince of power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of what? Disobedience. See, I love this. We looked at a king who worked in disobedience, who actually had the opening to change. But Jesus came and set the mark. And now look at the flow after Jesus. Those who really have the Holy Spirit in them and Christ in them, now they're working in his, they're growing and maturing to be that servant. Next verse. Among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. Man, in Hebrews chapter 5, tell us, we can only receive people back because we know where we came from. <laughs> I love it. Jesus set us all up somewhere to fail. Do you know what I mean? Because we were born in the flesh. Isn't this beautiful? Next verse, chapter 4. I mean, yeah. But God, but God, but God, who is rich in what? Mercy. Okay. And what did he say in his promise? The first thing he said is, if you hearken to the precepts and keep and do them, the Lord your God will keep with you the covenant and the steadfast mercy, which he swore to his fathers. That was the first verse we read. He says, I will keep the mercies of God. So, but God who is rich in what? Mercy. We are to be living in the abundance of mercy. When we live in the abundance of mercy because of his great love with which he loved us. Philemon could never receive his slave back unless he met the one who took his account of sin on himself, Jesus. So when he got Jesus through Paul, boom, then that servant was redeemed back. And he wasn't only a slave, he now became a brother. He became a son. He became an effective worker for the kingdom of God. God wants us to be out in the market, marketplace. He wants us to be those kings, what? Bowing down on our feet, crying, kissing the feet of our people, whether they deserve it or not. We have to receive them. We have to receive them because Jesus asked us if Christ is in you. That's what Christ is asking you to do. Last verse. Even when we were dead in trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. Praise God. If we want to be, if we want to better ourselves as kings in the marketplace, if we want to better ourselves, true spirituality comes with a relationship with Christ in us. That means every day we say, what do you need? Every day, we say, what do you want? Every day, where do you want me to be? Every day. You know how many times we reject people every day? Oh, can you do this? Nope, I'm not doing that for you now. I'll do it for you in an hour. When God could have said, do it now for them. Everything we do, we should be, everything we say, we should be asking, the, is that what you want said? Is that going to get the best for the kingdom? The Holy Spirit's the key, not our thoughts. Our thoughts are not the key. His thoughts, our renewed mind, those are the things he wants us to meditate on. And if you recognize he has a covenant promise with you and you meditate, that, that just adds more relationship to want to seek him, to knock for what he has shown you, to really be in that relationship. 
So we have to, to, <laughs> we have to really go through the process and be changed and process into being a servant. We can actually try to do it out of our flesh. I see that a lot. Hey, I'm a good servant. I'm doing this for you. I'm doing this for you. I'm doing this for you. Do you know what I mean? And you can feel when it's them just trying to be the word and not become the word. Jesus came so we could become the word. Philemon was able to receive that slave back as a friend only because he was changed in his understanding. So we seek a relationship. We trust and rely on what God has through the Holy Spirit. We have the mind, 1 Corinthians 2.16. We have the mind. We are growing up and having the mind. We need to be leaders out in the marketplace, having the mind of Christ, knowing we have a covenant connection and that if we are obedient, then we've opened up the windows for the flows of these promises. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. When we are open to the mind of Christ in his ways, we can receive instruction when it doesn't benefit us, when it doesn't advance us. We can receive instruction humbly. And we do it, and there's no hurt. There's no offense. There is nothing. We just receive. And then we honor. And then God changes the people. We have the mind of Christ. Are we being led by the Holy Spirit in our businesses every day? Are we being led in everything that we say? Are we being led in the things that we're doing? Because those are the only things that will have life on it. We are serving a family. You have to think everybody you meet has an opportunity to be invited back to the family, even if they have already departed. You need to look at everybody as a possible departure, ready for arrival. Isn't that beautiful? The victory is guaranteed. This way does not change. So don't be afraid of your change to change another. So be the king. If you have authority in something, always think, how can I serve that person? Even when it's burning up in you and they are making you mad. You have to remember, I got to serve them. The matter they make you, the more you need to serve. So praise God. That is the beautiful lesson for today. Isn't that awesome? Okay. But now, being that everybody's in the house here, we didn't have any outsiders today. And um, I was, what we were going to do, and we can still do this. Mamie's going to come up. And one of the things we're going to do for King, for, uh, for um, not King, um, Train to Rain, <laughs> is one of the things we have to do, our, my goal, our goals are for next year, is trying to get business people to come in here and stick. We have business people come and they go. Do you know what I mean? And they get a revelation, but they don't really change as a servant because they don't come back and give. They don't come back and they don't receive. They take and they leave. We want people that come, take, and then want to continue serving, serving the kingdom of God. I hope that the people who have come here and left still find some place to serve God. All right. But one of the things that I found so good in Miami was they have a group of business people, famous baseball player, a guy who owns malls, and they all give $90,000 a year. Every, that's how much money these people make. $90,000 a year automatically goes into the account of King Jesus to be used purposely to advance the kingdom out beyond the doors. 
So, but they come together, they pray, they serve, they serve. And then they, they make decisions on where this money's going. Can you imagine if every business that connected to us gave and then collectively we gave back? We serve a business's need. Do you know what type of cycle we would be setting in the marketplace? Because when one is strong and the other one is weak, the other one gets full. We see that in our business. We have different divisions. Some are strong, some are weak, but one is always blessed. One section is always going to be a little bit more blessed than another, and it helps the other's need. Isn't that a beautiful cycle? So each of the sections in the business serve each other. And if we can get that mindset, it can explode even greater. So, but how do you do that? The main sign is you got to make sure Christ is in these people. <laughs> if Christ is in these people, nobody's going to be like Philemon. <laughs> They're not going to be able to receive back the one who had sinned against them. If we can get the business people whole, then they're going to want to give into a kingdom that advances people. Because everybody deep down wants somebody to help advance them. They want to be advanced, you know? So we're going to all walk through. Mamie's going to lead us in the prayer of salvation. And it doesn't make a difference if, the, if you have already confessed Christ in your heart. He loves to hear how much, because the first step of order is you have to know Christ is in you. You know what I mean? And we shouldn't take that as a lax thing. We should want to confess to him every day that how much we love him and he is in us. So Mamie is going to walk us through this. Lee, what? That was such an amazing, awesome, blessed, anointed, and powerful teaching. It like, was amazing. Um, there's a few people watching, watching through live stream, so y'all can do this as well. I'm just going to repeat it and y'all can, um, I mean, I'm going to read it and y'all can repeat after me and it. God is really wanting to, um, hey Nadine, God is really wanting to bless your business and take it on another level. And business is good, money is good, the teaching is good, bag free lunch is good, but nothing is better than the assurance of eternal life with God in his love and presence. So we are going to rededicate our life back to God. And also with, with doing that, we rededicate our businesses, our mindsets, our bank accounts back to the Lord, okay? All right, so Heavenly Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. Your word says that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. I am calling on you, Jesus, right now. I am a sinner. And I believe Jesus died on the cross for my sins and was raised from the dead on the third day to give me life eternally with God. I break every covenant that I have made with the enemy. I break every covenant that I've made with my flesh. And I break every covenant that I have made with the world. And Father, I ask you to forgive me. And I ask Jesus to come into my heart and live your life in me and through me. Today I repent of my sins and surrender my life totally to you as Savior and Lord. Thank you, God. We thank you, Lord. We just praise your name. 
Thank you, God, in Jesus' name. Jesus' mighty name. Thank you, Mamie. All right, praise God. Everybody be lifted up and float out of here and do something good for somebody, right? So let's just honor him, and we'll just say, Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, Lord, we just honor you with our heart, our souls, and our body. Lord, help us with the indwelling spirit to see and perceive the eyes of love as we walk out these doors today. And we look into the eyes of those who need our help, and we open our hands and we open our hearts so that they can receive your abiding love. So, Lord, we thank you for your presence, and we thank you for your glory. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.